0: A vegetarian saying of Jesus in the Syriac-Aramaic Gospel of Luke and other vegetarian passages. Today on Spiritual Awakening Radio, there is a vegetarian saying of Jesus found in the Syriac-Aramaic edition of the Old Syriac Gospels of Luke chapter 21-34 that deserves its own podcast. Welcome to today's edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio. Most of the time, if you scroll through this collection of podcasts, you'll notice spiritual or satsang discourses. But occasionally, I delve into the world of extra-canonical writings, Dead Sea Scrolls, various Gospels, as well as occasionally a program about vegetarianism or veganism and spirituality. Today, a vegetarian update a subject I return to again and again, the vegetarianism of early Christianity. There's a very old Syriac Aramaic manuscript of the Gospel of Luke that even predates the Syriac Peshitta Bible called the Evangelon de The Evangelon de Merifesh contains some textual variants In other words, differs from the Greek gospel manuscripts and the now often standardized or conformist approach used by most of the New Testament translators these days. In other words, there is a kind of traditional way of rendering passages. And if you get 10 different translations of the New Testament, they all tend to read similarly as if they're all copying from each other. There is a kind of traditional way of translating. But there is this other tradition further to the east, east of Eastern Orthodoxy, in fact, in the Syriac East. There are two surviving editions of Evangelion de Merifesh, the Curatonian version of the four Gospels found at a monastery in Egypt, as well as the Syriac Sinaticus version also known as the Old Syriac Gospels. Evangelion de Merifesh represents a translation, a copy, and one of the earliest witnesses of an even older collection of Gospel manuscripts that no longer exist, but once were in circulation, quote, between the 2nd and 5th centuries AD. And that quote is a reference found in the preface of a book discussing the history of Syriac Aramaic manuscripts such as Tatian's Gospel Harmony, the Peshitta, various recensions of the Peshitta, and the old Syriac Gospels. It's a book called Peshitta New Testament, the Antioch Bible, English translation, published by Gorgias Press. Discussion from the preface about the history of these early Syriac Aramaic manuscripts the new testament gospels a veg saying of jesus from syriac aramaic luke 21 verses 34 and 35 now beware in yourselves that your hearts do not become heavy with the eating of flesh and with the intoxication of wine and with the anxiety of the world and that day come upon you suddenly For as a snare it will come upon all them that sit on the surface of the earth. Some other alternate readings of that same passage. Be on guard so that your hearts do not become heavy with the eating of flesh. And with the intoxication of wine. And with the anxiety of the world. And that day come upon you suddenly. For as a snare it will come upon all those who dwell Upon the surface of the earth. Take heed to yourselves that your hearts do not ever cool in the eating of flesh, or in drunkenness with wine, and in the cares of the world, and that day come upon you silently, for like a snare it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. And finally, this version. Watch yourselves so that your hearts will never get weighed down with the eating of flesh, with drunkenness, and with the anxieties of the world, and that day come on you suddenly, for it will spring like a trap on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. particular saying of Jesus from Aramaic Syriac Luke reminds me of a Pythagorean axiom of wisdom from antiquity quoted not only by some Pythagorean philosophers but also some Stoics. It goes like this, a light meatless diet sharpens one's spiritual perception while a diet containing meat weighs the soul down. A passage found in the Golden Verses of Pythagoras, published by E.J. Brill Books. No doubt for some, the idea of a vegetarian Jesus, or a vegetarian saying of Jesus somewhere, seems a bit of a stretch, at least based on the European Christian traditions they might be acquainted with. But there once existed a Jesus movement in the Middle East, and... The Near East, that Syriac, Mesopotamian region, where vegetarianism was the norm, part of an ethical code, a part of an ethical code referred to as the yoke of the Lord. And so the passage above found in this Syriac Aramaic edition of the Gospel of Luke is very much in harmony with other such sayings attributed to Jesus found in the Hebrew and Aramaic sources, the Ebionite sources along with other early Christian writings. There's actually a surprising number of references to the vegetarianism of various apostles and even a few of those early church fathers claimed by orthodoxy. These writings preserved in the anti-Nicene fathers, post-Nicene fathers, and other collections of early Christian literature have been with us for most of the last 2,000 years, but only vegetarians or vegans seem to be the ones willing to pay any attention to those sources. According to the Gospel of the Ebionites, Jesus rejected the Passover meal, saying, I have no desire to eat the flesh of this paschal lamb with you. Furthermore, in the Ebionite scriptures, Jesus condemned animal sacrifice in the Temple of Jerusalem and sought to forever bring that practice to an end. That was once upon a time a very controversial thing. And you'll find Jews and Christians both wanting to end the practice of animal sacrifice and replace it with a ritual known as baptism, which they did do. The Ebionite or Hebrew Gospel quotes Jesus as saying, quote, I have come to abolish the sacrifices, and if you cease not from sacrificing, my wrath will not cease from you. Unquote. What about fish, the miracle story of the feeding of the 5,000? That comes up a lot in these debates. The early church father Irenaeus lived during the second century, one of the earlier church fathers, and described in detail the miracle of the multitude being fed with bread. There is no mention whatsoever of fish. The historian Eusebius and Arnobus also never mentioned fishes with the loaves, only the loaves. And there are other apocryphal scriptures, other early Christian writings, that describe the feeding of the 5,000 as being about bread being distributed, with no reference to the fish. As if the manuscripts of the New Testament they had access to at the time, the manuscripts of the Gospels, in those, the feeding of the 5,000-story didn't include fish, only bread. As Keith Akers observes in his article, Was Jesus a Vegetarian? Quote, and in every case they discuss the bread, but they don't mention anything about the fish. So I think the fish is a later addition. In fact, if you look even at the New Testament, it says at another point when Jesus is talking about the feeding of the 5000 he says, don't you remember when I fed the multitude and all the bread that we took up, unquote. And doesn't mention the fish. That's from an article called, Was Jesus a Vegetarian? Found at Keith Akers' website. A very fine website, I highly recommend, called CompassionateSpirit.com. More from Keith Akers. Another incident in the Gospels that depicts the master's concern for animals, is when he boldly puts an end to animal sacrifice. The day that Jesus shows up at the temple, Keith Akers. This is a critical event in the life of Jesus and just the week before his crucifixion. Jesus goes into the temple and he disrupts the animal sacrifice business. And this is the incident that everyone remembers as Jesus overturning the tables of the money changers. But in fact, he's not primarily interested in the money changers. He's interested in the people that are selling and buying animals. Why are they selling and buying animals? These are the animals that are going to be sacrificed in the temple. The incident in the temple is actually found in all four Gospels. It's one of the few incidents in Jesus' life which is found in all four of the Gospels. And this is how the Gospel of John describes it. When the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, in the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers at their business. And making a whip of cord, he drove them all with the sheep and oxen out of the temple and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables and he took those who sold pigeons and said, take these things away, Heathacres. Keith Akers, so what is going on here? It's primarily directed against the people who are dealing with animals. This is what led to the crucifixion. There are versions of the Gospels in which Jesus directly denounced the eating of meat. One such version is the Evangelon de Merifesh, also known as the Old Syriac Gospels. Syriac is a dialect of Aramaic, the language in which Jesus spoke. Two manuscripts of the Old Syriac Gospels exist, the Syriac Synaticus and the Curitonian Gospels. The Syriac Sinaiticus was discovered at the St. Catherine Monastery on Mount Sinai in Egypt back in 1892, and the Curitonian Gospels were brought from a monastery in Egypt to the British Library in 1842. In the old Syriac Gospels, Luke 21, 34, and 35, Jesus is quoted, Now beware in yourselves that your hearts do not become heavy with the eating of flesh, and with the intoxication of wine, and with the anxiety of the world, and that day come upon you suddenly, for as a snare it will come upon all them that sit on the surface of the earth. Keith Akers quoting Syriac Aramaic Luke, in a book I highly recommend called Disciples, As far as I'm concerned the best book ever written on this topic of the vegetarianism of the Jesus movement and also about adjacent movements the John the Baptist Nazareans and the you know Simon Magus and various branches those that branched out from the John the Baptist movement that whole period of history what about the Essenes what about the Dead Sea Scrolls early Christian references to vegetarianism It is a must-read, a go-to book, documenting the evidence for the vegetarianism of the original Jesus movement, Christianity Before Paul, from a very impressive long list of sources. I can't say enough good things about that book, Disciples, by Keith Akers. What about the Apostles? Did they remain fishermen living in Galilee like the earliest descriptions of them in the Gospels that seemed to be forever etched upon people's minds? Or did they get older? Did they go on to perfect their faith as disciples and eventually become spiritual teachers themselves in this Jesus movement they were part of? In the Ebionite scriptures, there are no more descriptions of young disciples being involved in fishing or eating fish. According to the 1st century text, the Didache, also known as the teaching of the Twelve Apostles, the original Jesus movement followed a vegetarian diet and did not believe in participating in animal sacrifices, religious animal ritual sacrifice in either the Jewish temple or in pagan temples, the so-called meat sacrificed unto idols, quote-unquote. As part of their ethical code. They called this ethical code the yoke of the Lord, and they advised new Gentile converts to adopt the same ethics as best as they could. There are also numerous references to the vegetarianism of the apostles found in many early Christian writings, in various books of the Acts of different apostles, also in the accounts of church historians, and in the writings of early church fathers. John never ate meat. James, the brother of the Lord, lived on seeds and plants and touched neither meat nor wine. The Apostle Thomas, he continuously fasts and prays and abstains from the eating of flesh. The Apostle Matthew partook of seeds and nuts, hard-shelled fruits and vegetables without flesh. Peter said, I live on olives and bread, to which I rarely only add vegetables. He also said, The unnatural eating of flesh meats is as polluting as the heathen worship of devils. That's a quote from the Clementine homilies. The first followers of Jesus, also known as the Ebionites or Nazareans, were not only kosher, but were strictly adhering to a vegetarian diet. The largest surviving collection of Ebionite scriptures is the Clementine homilies and recognitions of Clement, which are pro-vegetarian writings, a kind of book of the Acts of Peter and the other apostles. They condemn animal sacrifice in any form, and the eating of meat in any form. For example, the book of homilies states that God does not want animals killed at all, and condemns those who eat meat. This is also from the Clementine homilies. And the things which are well-pleasing to God are these, to pray to him, to ask of him, recognizing that he is the giver of all things, to abstain from the table of devils, not to taste dead flesh, and not to touch blood. This is from Eusebius, the church father and historian in his Proof of the Gospels. They, the apostles, embraced and persevered in a strenuous and laborious life, with fasting and abstinence from wine and meat. And and this verse, once again, attributed to Peter, the unnatural eating of flesh meats is as polluting as the heathen worship of devils with its sacrifices and its impure feasts. Through participation in it, a man becomes a fellow eater with devils, unquote. Pretty intense, right? Thinking of meat as dead flesh and corpses reflects a vegetarian point of view, doesn't it? Just check Twitter, right? I mean, it, that's still with us now, that point of view. There are sayings of Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas with that same familiar veg vibe, that same attitude also. Such as, quote, damn the soul that depends on the flesh, unquote, from saying 112 of the Gospel of Thomas. How miserable is the body that depends on a body, and how miserable is the soul that depends on these two, unquote, from saying 87. Whoever has come to know the world has discovered a carcass, and whoever has discovered a carcass of that person, the world is not worthy saying 56 in the days when you ate of what is dead you made of it what is living when you come to be in the light what will you do that's from saying 11 of the gospel of Thomas and then comes saying 12 in the next verse saying 12 of the gospel of Thomas James the Just, known to be vegetarian, was named to be Jesus' first spiritual successor, the next leader of the Jesus movement. Gospel of Thomas, saying 12. The disciples said to Jesus, We are aware that you will depart from us. Who will be our leader? Jesus said to him, No matter where you come, it is to James the Just that you shall go, for whose sake heaven and earth have come to exist. James the Just, brother of Jesus, head Apostle, described by the Apostle Paul as the pillar of the Jesus movement based in Jerusalem, and the next leader of this Jesus movement, and he was vegetarian. The Jewish historian Josephus mentions not only the crucifixion of Jesus, but also the martyrdom of his brother, James the Just. Jesus had a brother. He's referred to by scholars and historians as James the Just, or James the Righteous. According to a wide variety of sources, James became Jesus' spiritual successor, the next leader of this group, referred to as the Hebrew Christians, or Ebionites, the Jewish Christians. The writings of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament represents one of those sources echoing the same view about the leadership of James in Jerusalem. Professor Robert Eisenman, in his huge volume called James the Just, the key to unlocking the secrets of early Christianity and the Dead Sea Scrolls, says, quote, James was a vegetarian, unquote. Eisenman actually links the people of the Dead Sea Scrolls to this vegetarian Jesus movement of antiquity because both groups called themselves Ebionites. Like the people of the scrolls, the Jewish Christians called themselves Ebionites. Ebionite is a word derived from Hebrew meaning the poor. They trace their vow of poverty back to the first Christian community described in the New Testament book of Acts 4:32 through verse 35 as an intentional spiritual community which shared all of their possessions in common. And this is from Hegesippus the Nazarene, quoted in the Church History of Eusebius, book 2, chapter 23. James, the brother of the Lord, was holy from his mother's womb. And he drank no wine, nor strong drink, nor did he eat flesh, unquote. And to back that up further, St. Augustine, St. Augustine, in his writings said, James, the brother of the Lord, lived on seeds and plants, and touched neither meat nor wine. Unquote. More apostles, Matthew, and happiness is found in the practice of virtue. Accordingly, the apostle Matthew partook of seeds and nuts, hard shelled fruits and vegetables without flesh. That's a quote from Clement of Alexandria, The Instructor, Book 2, Chapter 1. The Apostle Thomas, he continuously fasts and prays and abstains from the eating of the flesh and the drinking of wine. He eats only bread with salt, drinks only water. That's found in the Acts of Thomas, a very famous apocryphal book, read by many, From the Gnostic world, the Manichaeans, to Orthodoxy. You know, the Acts of Thomas is a favorite, apocryphal book of Acts about the life and times of Thomas the Apostle, who ended up in India. Church historian Hegesippus, according to Eusebius, in History of the Church. John never ate meat, quote unquote. Other church fathers... This is from Hieronymus, also known as Saint Jerome, who once had a copy of Gospels in the Hebrew language and read Hebrew himself, seems to have been an interesting person. He says, the consumption of animal flesh was unknown up until the great flood, but since the great flood, we have had animal flesh stuffed into our mouths. Jesus, the Christ, who appeared when the time was fulfilled, again joined the end to the beginning so that we are now no longer allowed to eat animal flesh, unquote. This is another version of that. The eating of meat was unknown up to the big flood, but since the flood, they have the strings and stinking juices of animal meat into our mouths, just as they threw in front of the grumbling sensual people in the desert. Jesus Christ, who appeared when the time had been fulfilled, has again joined the end with the beginning, so that it is no longer allowed for us to eat animal meat." Another version of that passage attributed to St. Jerome, also known as Hieronymus who, as I was reading about the other day, read Hebrew, had a copy of the Gospel of the Hebrews and read some of these other texts and seems to to here have uh, fused them all together. You know, he liked the New Testament, he liked Paul, he liked the Gospel of the Hebrews and seems to have merged these different traditions of early Christianity together into one. Clement of Alexandria, another early church father, sacrifices were invented by men to be a pretext for eating flesh. Unquote. The Wikipedia entry for Origin of Alexandria, another church father, quote, was a teetotaler and a vegetarian and often fasted for long periods of time. St. Basil the Great, once said the steam of meat meals darkens the spirit one can hardly have virtue if one enjoys meat meals and feasts in the earthly paradise or eden no one sacrificed animals and no one ate meat you can kind of hear pythagoras in that saying of uh, basil the great let me scroll back here to that passage from the writings of or the golden verses of Pythagoras there's only a few of them a light meatless diet sharpens one's spiritual perception while a diet containing meat weighs the soul down a quote from the golden verses of Pythagoras published by E.J. Brill books the same folks that published the nag hamadi study series about you know seven thousand dollars worth of uh, volumes of all those nag hamadi texts that sounds very similar to basil the great doesn't it the steam of meat meals darkens the spirit one can hardly have virtue if one enjoys meat meals and feasts in the earthly paradise or eden no one sacrificed animals, and no one ate meat. The following passage is from the Recognitions of Clement. Clement of Rome is considered to be the first church father, as well as the spiritual successor of the Apostle Peter. What's amazing about this Clementine literature, a kind of book of the Acts of Peter and the other Apostles, Is that it advocates vegetarianism and even has nice things to say about those in India who, like the Jesus movement, worship one God, follow peaceful customs and laws, and are vegetarian or vegan. I say vegan because there are no references to dairy products or cheese or anything like that. It's all plant based in every single example of a vegetarian passage in all of these early Christian writings all plant-based, in every one I've ever found. The recognitions of Clement and the Clementine homilies are surviving Jewish Christian texts representing an Ebionite, vegetarian point of view. There are likewise amongst the Bactrians in the Indian countries immense multitudes of Brahmins, who also themselves, from the tradition of their ancestors and peaceful customs and laws, neither commit murder nor adultery nor worship idols nor have the practice of eating animal food are never drunk never do anything maliciously but always fear god recognitions of clement book 9 chapter 22 found in, not an apocryphal book that just turned up last Tuesday in Egypt, not found in a channeled writing from the 19th century or forged gospel from who knows where, but from something that's been with us for a very long time, part of any Christian library, any seminary library, the Anti-Nicene Fathers, you know, those early church fathers, has an apocrypha section, and it's in there. It's nothing new, it's something very old, as I say. It's it's information that's been around for almost two thousand years, but with a meat bias in the leadership of many in many places, you know, there's little interest in these passages, and it's only the veg or vegan type people that have access to these writings that go, hey, look at this passage. You know, look at that passage. Hey, look what's going on here in this Aramaic-Syriac version of the Gospel of Luke. There's a vegetarian saying of Jesus in there. Hey, everyone, come see. It's only the vegetarian or vegan type individuals that seem to care, seem to notice, and are willing to quote these things. In the Gospel of Thomas, saying 113, it says his disciples asked him, when will... The kingdom come, Jesus' reply. It is not about being waited for that is going to come. They are not going to say, here it is, or there it is. Rather, the kingdom of the Father is spread out over the earth, and people do not see it. I will read that again. When is the kingdom going to come? Jesus replies, it is not by being waited for that it is going to come. They are not going to say, here it is, or there it is. Rather, the kingdom of the Father is spread out over the earth, and people do not see it. Now, that saying also turns up in other early Christian writings. The, uh, uh, there's a Syrian saint... That also quotes that and he doesn't say if it's from Thomas but there are several sayings that have parallels with the gospel of Thomas found in the writing of that particular saint so it's hard to know where he's getting it from if he had a copy of Thomas or maybe it's a passage also that turns up in some other text like the gospel of the Hebrews so in conclusion uh the Genesis ideal, presented in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, Behold, I have given you every seed-bearing herb which is upon the surface of the entire earth, and every tree that has seed-bearing fruit. It will be yours for food. Genesis 1.29. Only after the fall of man and the post-flood phases commence is there meat-eating, according to the book of Genesis, and the introduction of ritual animal sacrifice. Quite often spiritual movements advocating going back to Eden, re-entering a heavenly paradise, entering into a golden age, a millennium, a kingdom of God or mystical reunion with God here and now include vegetarianism as part of their spiritual path. From the beginning and across the many centuries, there have always been vegetarian Jewish movements, vegetarian Christian movements, and still are in the world today. There are prophecies in the book of Isaiah, And elsewhere that talk about a future age where everything is peaceful. Kingdom of God spread out upon the earth that people do see. And it's a vegetarian vision of the future. And so some people say, why do we need to wait around for Isaiah's prophecy to be fulfilled? But another way of looking at it is we can assist Isaiah and get on with it in the here and now thank you for joining me today for spiritual awakening radio if you'd like to receive links to the syriac aramaic gospel the old syriac my earlier article on the vegetarianism of the jesus movement and links to several different podcasts very much like this one on the vegetarianism of john the baptist jesus the apostles various writings Send me an email at this address, james at